We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, September 21st. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Uh, Alex, we are now officially under one month away from the start of the NBA season. And, you know, we've been we've been all in on NFL. Um, you know, as, as we've said the last couple of pods, you know, it, it's big time NFL season. It's money making season for Rotowire. We're not going to get around that. But uh, normally I feel like there'd be a little bit more NBA buzz by now. I, I think if you if you just like grab some random sports fans and said like, Hey, how far away do you think the NBA season is? It feels like it's still like months away. Like there's been almost no hype. I feel like once all the, the Donovan Mitchell and the Kevin Durant and the Kyrie Irving drama subsided, uh, we've kind of gone into a lull that truly, I, I don't feel that we've really broken out of yet. And you know, the NFL is so dominant in American sports that yep. maybe it's understandable, but man, I mean, the season is fast approaching and uh, I, I, I just want to make sure that the public is prepared. <laughs> The public should be prepared. Um, I think I think that'll change very quickly um, with training camps opening later this week, and then uh, basically uh, that signals the first time we're going to start getting Zion Williamson footage, and I think that officially kicks off the NBA season. Yes, I saw a, a post of his. Uh, our, our mutual pal James Anderson sent me this morning of Zion. Uh, I, I don't know if it was like an ad or, or what was going on. He was apparently trying to dribble a basketball underwater in a pool. Uh, <laughs> not sure how that's going to apply to game situations this year, but nonetheless, uh, always good to see Zion, you know, in the lab as the caption on that photo described, but um, we're going to, we're going to try to do something uh, new on the pod and probably do it uh, fairly routinely uh, leading up to the season. And, and then during the regular season as well, uh, we're going to go, we're going to pick a conference and we're just going to go through all 15 teams. We're going to do somewhere between, you know, hopefully one and two minutes, uh, likely longer uh, on each team and just kind of give you an update what we're thinking about that team. Uh, you know, it'll be much more of a preseason outlook for now, but once we get in season, you know, we'll talk kind of risers, fallers, what's going on in the rotation, who's injured, who should you pick up on waivers, things of that nature. Uh, but we'll start with the Western conference on today's pod. We'll follow up later on with the East and we decided we should start at the bottom, you know, teams like Phoenix and golden state and Memphis and, and even the Lakers, even though they're closer to the bottom, they, they get all the shine in the West, but we want to make sure we have enough time to dedicate uh, to teams like our first, the Houston Rockets 20 and 62 last season, uh, likely going to be a similar outcome this year. You add Jabari Smith in the draft, uh, get rid of Christian, Christian Wood. Uh, we should see Alper and Shangun move into a much larger role, but uh, initial thoughts on the Houston Rockets and, and any fantasy notes from you that come to mind right away. Yeah, I think, um, well, Shangun is the big, is the big thing here. I mean, Shangun full-time starter uh, at center was a permanent monster last year. He's got to cut down the foul trouble. 
but really encouraging that he was 19 and doing what he was doing last year, um, playing in Eurobasket this year. So I've, I've high hopes for him, but I think, I mean, he and Jalen Green are really the highlights of this team. And I think are going to be the highlights come draft day. I mean, I'm, I'm sure both of these guys are going to go around pick 50 or 60 in some, uh, in a decent amount of drafts where, because usually if you're in a 12 team league, someone feels pretty strongly about one or both of these guys. And I think that's kind of their, their upside for this year. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think you'll see both of those guys climb up the draft boards as, as the draft year goes along. I think so too. I think Jalen Green, especially is somebody that people want to own in fantasy leagues. I think he, you know, you always want to be ahead of the curve on these breakouts. I don't know that I'm going to be getting a ton of Jalen Green shares at cost just because I, I'm usually not willing to reach, especially for a, a shooting guard, you know, which is the position that I feel like has the hardest time of translating to fantasy success. And, and Jalen Green's going to hit a lot of threes. He hit a ton of threes at the end of last season. So that'll certainly help. But uh, you know, the field goal percentage could be an issue. You know, defensively, he didn't do a whole lot last year. And as long as Kevin Porter is, you know, installed as the point guard for this team, there's just going to be some limitations as far as Jalen Green, you know, the real life player versus Jalen Green, the fantasy player. Um, you know, Jabari Smith, kind of the second or third rookie, depending on which set of rankings you look at. I think Bancaro at this point uh, is essentially the consensus number one uh, with Chad Holmgren out of the mix. I, you know, I, I think I'll be totally fine grabbing Jabari Smith later in drafts. I think there's a pretty good chance that, you know, maybe he leads all rookies in minutes. I think points and rebounds should be solid. He, he had a bunch of threes. He was an efficient shooter at Auburn. So there's a lot to like here. At the same time, I, I don't see him being like Scotty Barnes last year, where all of a sudden he's like a borderline top 40 guy at times, you know, toward the end of the year. I, I think there's a, a pretty defined floor and ceiling here. I agree. I mean, he's what the fourth or third option depending on how you feel about Shangun as a quote-unquote like offensive option I mean he's a, he can yeah. be an offensive hub but there's a chance Jabari Smith is sort of yeah that fourth guy in the offense at times uh you know maybe it'll be a situation where they have him run with the bench a little more often so he can get some shots up but I mean even though the you know this isn't D'Antoni's team anymore the Rockets are still kind of a they're still kind of a like a Mori ball team right even if both those guys aren't there they shoot a lot of threes they get to the rim a lot. They avoid the mid-range. And I saw a lot of mid-range out of Jabari Smith at Summer League. I'm not sure how much he's going to be doing that in the regular season. So I think if you're drafting Jabari Smith, you can have a decent amount of confidence. Like at the very least, he's going to get you boards and threes. I don't know about field goal percentage um, or assists at all. I didn't see much of from him as a passer, but Jalen Green and Porter and Sanguna are going to handle that. So I think Jabari Smith might end up being kind of a catch-and-shoot guy this year as a, as a rookie. Yeah, it does feel that way. Um, you know, I don't know that he's going to be as assertive as you'd like uh, as far as, you know, commanding touches from guys like Green and Porter, who, you know, I don't see either of those guys really stepping aside for Jabari Smith. But I do think he's a nice fit uh, alongside Shangun, you know, who's a very good passer already for his size and for his position. This is a team that, you know, I'm going to target guys like Jay Sean Tate and Tari Easton, another rookie out of LSU. Josh Christopher is kind of like my, my favorite, like late, late, late round guy. This okay. year, uh, he was he was really taking the lead on that summer league team uh, for the Rockets in <laughs> yeah. Vegas. Um, you know, Trey Burke is on this roster for some reason. Uh, Ty Ty Washington, another rookie out of uh, out of Kentucky, could get some minutes, but there's not a lot of depth here. You know, I think they have a pretty defined starting five, but I think one of those members, Eric Gordon, will likely be traded or they'll move on from him in some capacity uh, right. at some point. And at that point, you know, I think that that bodes really well for Jay Sean Tate. It bodes really well for Eason. Um, now there was even a time last year where Garrison Matthews was fantasy viable, just hitting a ton of threes for a couple of weeks. I don't know if we see that again, but, uh, Houston's on that short list of, of bad teams where there's going to be times probably later in the season where certain guys are just going to you know have a week where they average like 36 minutes a game and all of a sudden they're viable. So I think Houston's a team that you, you just have to monitor because that rotation could be changing like night to night later in the year. They'll end up being a, a waiver wire team late in the year. Um, kind of like the next team on our list, <laughs> the, the Oklahoma City Thunder. We we uh we got news that SGA is going to miss the start of training camp with a grade two MCL sprain. I I don't know I don't I don't love the phrasing on that, but it sounds like he may not miss any regular season games, which is good. But obviously, of a, a team that already has a 
reputation for sitting guys longer than they have to be set because of tanking implications, especially with Chet Holmgren not playing this year already. So this year's basically already in the tank. What's your, I mean, what's your strategy regarding Thunder guys? Are you just, do you, is it kind of like, I'm going to ignore this. I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. Or it's like, I want these guys like a round or two later than I think they deserve. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, I'm picturing that, that Vince McMahon, meme where it's like a he's like progressively getting more and more excited i'm sure you've seen this most people yeah. listening probably have like the 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 first stage was like the home grid injury and now he's on to stage two of like ex- extreme excitement now that sga is injured like that's sam presti right now uh when he's thinking about you know getting victor Wembanyama uh in next year's draft like i think the thunder like yeah it's it's, it's a pretty big setback you know the, the number two overall pick isn't playing this year uh, and SGA, oh man, he's he's got a, an MCL sprain, man. That's a real shame. I, I guess I guess he won't be able to play for some games this year. Like, I still think they're in that mode. And so to answer your question, that you know really does scare me. When I mean SGA, if you drafted him the last two years, you've been burned. Um, you know, I think with Holmgren, we we were even starting to ask those questions before he got hurt. Of like, is there a chance that they sit him at the end of the year? I mean, we saw that happen with Josh Giddy. Kind of unclear how much of that was injury. Uh, versus the Thunder just not wanting to win games. But, yeah, I think we could see it again. And, you know, with SGA, it's, there's a point where, I'm, where I'll draft him like anybody, but I, I don't think I'll be taking him inside the top 30 this year. Um, you know, even last year he had had some kind of holes in his stat profile. It, it felt like his good games were really, really good, but, you know, his field goal percentage was down to a career low. He, he did not shoot the three ball well at all. I mean, he was down like 12 percentage points from three year over year. So, kind of a weird season from him. And it, it feels like we're, we're now going into like a third straight year where he just can't partially due to injuries and partially due to the way this team is, is being directed. Like he just can't really get into a true rhythm. And, you know, you asked me earlier today, like, is there a chance he could be traded? Like, absolutely. I, I think that's completely on the table. He could be. Yeah. SGA went 39th in our um, NBA podcast draft uh, the other day. And I think, I mean, I think I took, I took him. I definitely took him. Um, I think that's I think that's a great spot to grab him. Honestly, I mean, this was before the injury, but I think that gives you a safe floor, gives you some upside. Um, is there? I mean, is there anybody other than SGA and Giddy that you're targeting for the Thunder? Like, I'm I'm kind of partial to Lou Dort. I think he should be drafted roughly pick 100, maybe even a little bit inside, given that's about where he ranked last year in our in our league that we just drafted. Um, uh, James took uh, Jalen Williams, I think, or well, Jalen Williams, Pokashevsky, and Trey Mann all went after pick 150. Uh, do any of those guys interest you more than just like pure flyers and in, in deeper leagues? Uh, yeah, Jalen Williams is one that I'll, I'll keep an eye on. I mean, he had a, kind of a, a nice stat profile in college that implies that he could be a good fantasy player in the NBA. And I, I think there's a pretty good chance he plays a lot of minutes. This year, um, to be clear, we're talking about Jalen Williams, the forward. Uh, not, they, they drafted another Jalen Williams, a, a big man who likely won't play as much. Uh, Poku, I'm out on. I just I don't think that experiment is going to work. I think we would have seen more from him by now. So I, I, he's not really a consideration for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, Trey Mann at the end of last year was hitting a ton of threes. I know he I think he ended up missing the last like eight or ten games of the season. But uh, he was one of those guys that you know, he was kind of like the guard version of Drew Eubanks who was kind of helping you. Yeah, he was pushing you to a lot of league titles at the end of the year. Uh, I mean, his last 17 games, he averaged 17 points, five rebounds, three assists, a steal, two and a half threes a game and shot 43%. Um, and, you know, a lot of that was with SGA out. It was with Giddy out. So it's not like he's just going to hit the ground running and be that guy again. But there's definitely a world in, in which, you know, the Thunder, once again, are, are resting guys or guys are, are you know more injured than they actually are, less injured than they actually are. And they're sitting... Um, so, you know, they're not guys that I want to roster early on, I guess, unless you're in a deep league or you have a bunch of bench spots, but much like Houston, they're one of those teams that, you know, around the trade deadline, around the all-star break, you want to be proactive and, and start to grab guys who you think could eventually emerge. With the NFL kicking off and the NBA season nearing today is the best time to try Caesars Sportsbook. Anyone who's at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesars Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R O T O 15, ROTO15, 
The promo code gives new users a risk-free first bet up to $1,500. Again, visit caesars.com sportsbooks or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use our promo code ROTO15. That's ROTO15 when you sign up. Let's move on to the Portland Trailblazers, 27-55. and 55. Last year, Damian Lillard basically missed the entire season. When he played, he was bad. He ended up tanking. Ton of Anthony Simons down the stretch. He looked awesome. Um, they, I mean, they tanked as hard as anybody at the end of last year. I think they ended up playing like 27 total players last year. Yeah. But uh, this year they have a pretty legit starting five. I think I actually, I like them as kind of a, a dark horse, maybe like non-playing team in terms of like, maybe they just get the, like the six seed. Um, so they're, they're going to start Lillard, Simons. It's kind of a debate right now between Lillard and uh, not Lillard, Lillard, Little and Josh Hart at the three. I think they'll actually go with Little because Hart's so versatile to come off the bench as a six man. And then they added Jeremy Grant and they have Nurkic. Um, I do you just think this team is too top heavy to really target anybody else outside of there? Or I got you know what? A better question is what do you think of Anthony Simons this year? Because he kind of broke out last year, but now Lillard is back and they add Jeremy Grant who takes usage. Uh, what, what's your kind of vibe on Simons come draft day? Uh, I don't love him. I'll say that. I, I'm trying to see where he went. He went around pick 92 in our draft. Um, you took him there. I, I think at, at that point in the draft, sure. I just think you have to know what you're getting yourself into here. I, I don't think – like there's no way that he's going to match even what he did last season. I think if he gives you like 80% of that, that's fine. I mean, he's a, a very good free throw shooter. He you know, finally shot it pretty well from the field last year. He's been a good three-point shooter for a few years now, but doesn't give you any steals. Obviously, doesn't give you blocks. The assists are going to plummet this year with Lillard back. Um, you know, Even playing 30 minutes a game last year, he like barely got to two and a half rebounds. So he's he's one of those guys that like I, I love the idea of Anthony Simons. You know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, he's kind of similar to, um, you know, the player that they took uh, j- just recently in the 2022 draft, whose name is conveniently escaping me. Shaden um, Sharp. Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp. I mean, obviously Shaden Sharp taken a lot higher, has a little bit better pedigree, but similar vibe, you know, to like how raw and unknown they were coming into the league. Um, so I, you know, I, I think there's still a chance that Simons turns into something bigger down the road. I mean, he is only 23, which is insane uh, going into what his fifth NBA season, but I, I just think like the best case scenario is he just gives you some points and he gives you some threes and that's about it. Like, I don't, I, I don't see him really developing anything further uh, at least for this season. And, you know, you mentioned the other guys who they have as options. I mean, they got Gary Payton as well. I mean, not, yeah. not exactly like a big time fantasy guy, but for a team that really wants to win games, I think there are a lot of nights where you'll take Gary Payton's defense over Anthony Simon's offense. I agree. If you're, if you're in a 200 deep league, Gary Payton should be drafted. He was so excellent with, with Golden State last year in a, in a very limited role. Now, these two offenses play very differently, so I don't know if he's going to translate as well, but also in theory he should play more minutes. Um, how do you feel about Lillard? Because he's getting drafted like average ADP around 18 this year coming off the injury, but uh, you know, basically the past half decade, he's been a, a first-round value. So do you think – I mean, do you think he's going – underdrafted uh not necessarily i I think you know you kind of even if you think he's going to bounce back and be just fine which i do like i'm I'm fully in on lillard i think last year was was just a blip on the radar i mean you spend like you said bulletproof for the last decade um but i I think the the reason like if you just look at you know yeah year over year it does look like he's falling a bit in terms of adp and you know early mock drafts and whatnot but I think part of it is there's just like a ton of really good players, you know? I mean, it's not yeah. like, you know, from the box and the rankings that we've done, like I, I have a hard time saying like, you shouldn't take LaMelo ball over Damian Lillard, or you shouldn't take James Harden, Carl Anthony Towns, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, you know, Trey young, like everybody being taken ahead of him is justifiable guys who could definitely finish ahead of him at the end of the year. Now, you know, it'd be a different story if he was going behind like, you know, Devin Booker, Paul George, Anthony Edwards, um, I don't know, Kyrie, guys like that, you know, then I would, then maybe I'd have to step in and then set the record straight. But no, I, I think where he's going is just fine just because the league is so top heavy. Right. Yeah. I mean that, you know, picks like seven to 15 are sort of up to interpretation a lot of times in drafts, 
because then you're, you're talking like you're talking sometimes, you know, Towns, Trey Young, LeBron, who's dealt with obviously injury issues, Morant's in that range, Lillard, Booker. It's like there's there's kind of a lot you can do there. And some of that's going to depend on on your league type, uh, whether it's points or categories. Let's move on to the Kings. Um, I, they have they're basically a new team. I mean, they drafted or not drafted. They did draft Keegan Murray, who looks like he's going to start at, at forward and could see actually significant minutes. He won uh, Summer League MVP. I believe looked like a veteran out there at times with the, with the three-level scoring ability. Um, and then they got Demonis Sabonis at last year's trade deadline, where they traded away Tyrese Halliburton, which was still remains shocking, but um, they did it. Uh, what, what's, your, what's your vibe on this team? I do think, you know, Fox played better after they traded Halliburton. Um, Sabonis... I, I don't expect much to change there. I know you're a Murray guy, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say I love you. Just like taking taking the reins of the pod here and just steering I'm us. Just, from well, team we have to fifteen. Team. We have fifteen yeah. minutes, or we have fifteen teams to get through. I figured, uh, you know, we gotta. I don't want to go like two hours on this. No, this is fantastic. I, I love it. Um, yeah, I'm in on Murray. Uh, yeah, let, let me just quickly read you the the ten summer league MVPs before Murray, just to get some context here. Uh, Davion Mitchell, so Sacramento, back-to-back nice. Summer League MVPs. Cam Thomas, Brandon Clark, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson, Glenn Rice, Jonas oh. Valanciunas, and, of course, Josh Selby back nice. in 2012. So it's hit or miss. You know, so like Lonzo Ball ended up being a really good player. Brandon Clark, you know, foreshadowed a breakout rookie year. Jonas Valanciunas, same thing. Um, but then you have your, you know, your Glenn Rice's mixed in there. Uh, you know, jury's still out on someone like Cam Thomas, and then obviously – uh, Josh Selby, we know how that went, but in general, it's a pretty good thing to win summer league MVP. And, and you know, I, I think that's really where Keegan Murray answered a lot of questions about how would his game translate? You know, we, we really haven't seen anyone uh, since like Ricky Davis come out of Iowa and, and be a decent NBA player. I mean, he's their best prospect ever. And unless we go all the way back to like the forties and fifties. Um, so I, I think there's a lot to like here. He can play both forward spots. Uh, I actually thought he looked a little, he looked a little smaller, than I expected uh, in summer league, which is, you know, maybe just going from college to NBA. That's how it works. But, you know, he was, he operated kind of as like more of a true power forward, uh, almost more of a big man at Iowa. Um, but I, I think he's going to be used kind of interchangeably with Harrison Barnes. He can shoot the corner three really well. Uh, the only, the only drawback with Murray is he's just not in like the greatest situation because y- you have a lot of established players on this roster, starting with Fox and Sabonis, um, and even Barnes and Herter, you know, will take precedent. So if he starts at forward, like we expect, he's going to be the fifth option. But I still think, you know, this is not a team that has a ton of depth, especially on the wing. I think there's a pretty good chance that he plays 30-plus minutes. I think so, too. And I think there's a pretty good chance Harrison Barnes gets traded. And I don't know what they would get back in return, necessarily. Um, Maybe a better shooting guard? I, I can't really tell. But then you figure Murray gets into increased usage a little bit maybe some increased rebounds. I've seen some people try to stake a claim on like Monk or Herder, which worries me. Like I've, I've seen people say like, I'm really in on Monk this year. And then other people like, I'm really in on Herder this year. It's like, I am not touching either of them with a 10 foot pole. Like I, I don't, I think Herder's going to start kind of because of the pedigree he's been starting. And I think Monk is a, I think he's more of a microwave guy anyway, who you want coming off the bench. But at the same time, He's going to come off the bench and then also be playing with Davion Mitchell, who's going to need his touches. Um, so I, I don't really like that situation. I'll probably be avoiding both those guys uh, in drafts. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Love Malik Monk as like a real life guy to root for. Um, just haven't really been all that interested in him uh, in fantasy. But, you know, he unfortunately, he's one of those guys that I feel like has always been destined to play for the Kings, uh, kind of that Josh Jackson type of thing. But I feel like nobody's talking about like the, the reuniting of Monk and Fox. It was like one of the coolest college duos of all time. Uh, maybe it's because it's happening on the Kings, but uh, something to monitor. Those guys were electric at Kentucky. Uh, let's go to the Lakers. I'm taking the, I'm taking the reins back. Right. Uh, 33 wins last season for the Lakers. We don't need to rehash what a disaster that was. Um, I mean, I, I felt personally violated as somebody who for some reason was rooting for the Lakers last <laughs> season. It was awful. Uh, and it seems like it's setting up that way again, to be honest. Uh, LeBron is now bald. I, I don't really know what to make of that. We'll have to adjust our rankings accordingly. It feels to me like, you know, that they've already just kind of made a few sad additions around this roster. We just saw them bring back Dennis Schroeder uh, last week or, or earlier this week. 
um, you know, starting to get some like Kendrick Nunn looks really good updates. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, that doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, this season is, if this season is, is a success, that means that Anthony Davis and LeBron stayed healthy. Um, there's a, a world where they stay healthy and it's still not that much of a success, but if either of those guys, and especially Davis, you know, miss extensive time again, um, it's just, it's just really hard to see the path out for the Lakers. Uh, yeah, they, they need to, they need to be healthy for this team to make, uh, you know, make any noise. I, the Westbrook situation, that's a cloud hanging over the whole thing. I don't really know. I, I don't know what to determine about what's going on there. Like the, the trades get flogged about, oh, we could go to Utah and they get back Bojan and, and Mike Conley. I don't know, man. Um, I did draft both LeBron and Anthony Davis in our, in our league. I drafted LeBron 12th and, uh, Anthony Davis 19th. I think that's fine value for both of those guys. Um, you know, there's a chance I, if, if they play 65 games a piece, I think, I think that ends up, you know, boating well for me. Um, and it's kind of a, I think it's a fair stack to make in theory, because if one's out, the other one gets more usage. I also drafted Beverly 169th, but I don't think that's that's not super relevant. Um, of any interest in what, like, at what point are you interested in Westbrook? Like, pick 100, 90? None, none, none. Where I draw the line, uh, you know, personally, I just can't do it. Uh, he went just, 115. Uh, he went 115 in our draft. I'm not doing it. I can't. I, you know, I just can't. I can't do it. Um, you know, I, I, at some, maybe I'm leaving value on the table at you know in the 120s, whatever. Uh, but no, I just don't want any part of it. I, although, you know, I did do one of the write-ups for Westbrook, you know, and I don't even know which set of rankings that we put out recently, but you know, I, I wrote like, it, there's a, a world in which he's like a, a top 50 guy. If he gets traded to the right place or gets waved and somebody picks him up and they just kind of let him, uh, you know, let him cook and do his thing. I think that's probably the best case scenario for him and his fantasy value at this point. But as long as he's on the Lakers, I, I don't want any part of it. I agree. I agree. Um, all right, let's go with the Spurs. Uh, full of <laughs> this is a team full of like sleepers that I'm like, hey, you should just draft this guy after pick 75. Um, I have a feeling that across all my leagues, I'm going to have like exposure to all of all all of San Antonio. Um, I think Trey Jones, Trey Jones is going to start over for point guard after they dealt Dejounte Murray to the Hawks. That's that's its own topic of discussion that we'll get to on the next pod. Trey Jones, pretty unknown. Uh, but one of the best assist to turnover ratios in the NBA last season, I think it was over five. And that continued as yeah. when he was a starter uh, right now, his ADP is around one fifteen. I think, I think you can draft him earlier than that. I think you can draft him in the nineties and feel relatively confident, but at the same time, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson and Jakob Pergola are all going over him. Uh, I, I will say Johnson and Johnson versus Vassell is a really interesting question like my default was i'm gonna grab johnson because he's the number one option yeah. but on some sites vassell is you know i mean they're they're neck and neck on a lot of sites do you have a lean on either one of those guys yeah it's funny you said that because for me it's just like oh obviously Calvin johnson but maybe it's not that obvious I, you know I, I think he he he's played at a little bit of a higher level i think the last couple of years especially last season you know i think it's pretty easy to say well he went from 13 points a game two years ago, 17 this year, you know, now with the way that this team is constructed, could he be, could he be like a 26 and three guy? I mean, it, it's possible. Right. Um, I, I, I would definitely lean Johnson still. I mean, Vassell, it feels like his production is, is very much tethered, you know, to the three point shooting, which came around last season, 36%, almost two threes per game. Uh, you know, the volume should, should only increase this year, but yeah, he was quietly a, over a one steal per game guy in about 27 minutes. Uh, I mean, if he could conceivably play like six or seven more minutes per game this year, uh, the, you know, with the Spurs, it's always kind of, it's not as projectable as it should be, you know, as far as how the rotation actually runs, but I really like both those guys. I, I don't think they have maybe as high of a ceiling as a lot of people think, but I, I think both Johnson and Vassell have had really high floors and, you know, they've both been healthy for the most part. That's a, that's another big thing. I mean, you always have to think about that now uh, with how many guys are, are, are missing games routinely but um yeah i think they're they're two players who and you can throw Shea jones in there too two guys who like nobody's really excited about but at the end of the year you'll look up and be like wow i, I can't believe they finished that high right yeah i mean kelvin johnson I, i'm interested because he hasn't shown much as a passer and if he's really going to be in theory the number one scoring option i hope he can you know pass to his open teammates or that's not going to be as 
productive as, as you would hope uh, from a fantasy standpoint. Vassell has shown some passing upside. Um, but if you if you isolate the games that Vassell played at least 30 minutes last season, he was taking seven threes a game. So there's some really high three-point upside there. 1.7 combined steals and blocks in those games with two and a half assists. And, uh, you know, if you kick that up, assists up to like three or three and a half, I understand why some people think he might be the better option. But I think Johnson is the guy, like at the end of a possession, if you if, if there's eight seconds left on the shot clock and you need to give it to somebody, I don't know who else on this team that's in the starting lineup, at least, you're kicking it to besides Keldon Johnson. Yeah, 100%. This is going to be a, an interesting basketball experiment, that's for sure. Um, last note I have on the Spurs is I, I saw a tweet last night, late last night, so I, I don't even know if it actually happened or if I was just like really tired, that said <laughs> the Spurs are shopping Yaka Pertle, but only for two first-round picks. <laughs> to who? Who's giving up two firsts for Pertle? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think they're feeling themselves. This is kind of like a heat check trade after the DeJounte Murray deal. I, I'm like, I'm looking at the team. I don't know what team needs a center so badly that they would give up two firsts for Jakob Pertle. I don't know, man. I don't know. Watch, watch the Lakers, like not give up two firsts for Kyrie and then do it for Pertle. That's, that's all I'm saying. Team, well. team to watch the Lakers. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, 36 wins last year. Really fun team. Uh, a team yeah. that I feel like everybody is kind of rooting for now. They're uh, the up and coming, kind of the Detroit Lions of the NBA in some ways, uh, if the Lions had you know Zion Williamson. But uh, kind of a, a weird number of question marks when it comes to fantasy because obviously you're, you're throwing – like potentially the number one option on this team didn't play at all last year. So you're throwing him back into the mix. How does that affect Brandon Ingram? How does that affect playing time for, for guys like Jackson Hayes, who saw a bunch of minutes last year, Herbert Jones uh, played way more than we expected. Uh, you know, Larry Nance in a shock to me is still on this roster. Kind of forgot about that. Um, and then you had, you know, Jose Alvarado essentially overtaking Devonte Graham uh, as the backup point guard once CJ McCollum arrived, but rock solid starting five, 
for the Pelicans, McCollum, Ingram, Jones, Zion, Valanciunas. Uh, but it, it really just feels like this entire season and really the future of the franchise is, is just tethered to what does Zion look like after missing a year and how many games can he play? Yeah, it's funny that the uh, the Trailblazers and Pelicans did this McCollum trade because I feel like I look at these two starting fives and I'm like, wow, these this could be interesting if everyone stays healthy and like plays up to their potential. But yeah, this does all revolve around Zion and whether or not he can stay healthy and how much underwater basketball dribbling uh, is enough. I mean, I have high hopes for him this year. I think in a way it'll be good that the team around him is better. Um, you know, it's just hard to gauge his fantasy value because the last time we saw him, essentially, he was playing point Zion for a team that was not this good. And now they've, now they have CJ McCollum at point guard and Ingram is there. You know, Valanciunas is going to be clogging up the lane. I guess you have him space out from three, but I don't think Zion's going to be handling the ball as much as he was last year. Um, I guess there's a chance they run some like reverse Zion, CJ McCollum pick and rolls where McCollum sets a pick kind of getting into the weeds here. But I, you know, Zion's basically being drafted in the forties right now, which I actually think is a pretty appropriate place to draft him. But Ingram and McCollum are going around that same range as well. Um, it's a really fascinating team from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, I guess I think it's one you could stack with all the three of those guys, if you could somehow get them. Um, but I'm not as high on like Valanciunas this year. You know, I think competing with Zion is going to be tough. And uh, I don't think Herbert, you know, people love Herb Jones. He was great last year. I, I don't think his offense is going to increase that much. I think he's no. going to be out there as like a defensive role player. He needs to be a little better shooting threes. Um, he wasn't great at a high volume last year. So uh, that's kind of my overarching thoughts on those guys. All right, I like it. Let's move to the Clippers, 42-40 and 40 last year. Uh, somewhat of a lost season with Kawhi not playing. Uh, and, of course, Paul George missing more than half of the year as well. But, uh, you know, one of those teams that you're going to see near the top of the list if you're looking uh, at NBA championship futures, which, of course, you can find over at rotowire.com. Uh, Clippers, as of right now, are 6-1, to one, second best odds to win the title. Uh, same odds as the Warriors, which to me is just insane. I, I, I get that the Clippers have plenty of upside here, uh, but I, I think you're dealing with, you know, one of the most injury prone players in the league in Kawhi and, and really Paul George. I mean, I, I think it was Ramona Shelburne just this week pointed out that, you know, Anthony Davis has played more games than Paul George uh, over the last three seasons, which, you know, kind of struck me. I would not have expected that um, the roster around him really deep with a bunch of very good role players. Uh, so if those guys stay healthy, there's a lot to like, but uh, a lot to suss out. Fantasy wise, I mean, obviously, you know, Paul George will be drafted first. Kawhi probably not too far behind, although you got to pencil him in for probably 20 missed games at least. Uh, and then, you know, John Wall at some point worth a selection. Same with Norman Powell. Same with Robert Covington. Uh, Zubach is a guy I always love managing. Uh, I mean, he plays a ton of games. You know, just rebounds well, shoots a good percentage, all that. A anyone else that really piques your interest here? Uh, Norman Powell, I think. Um... I think Norman Powell is six man of the year upside. I think that's like a good yeah. dark horse uh, bet to place, honestly, because um, he should get a decent amount of starts as well, but probably not enough to disqualify him. Always been a microwave scorer, always been efficient. Those things help. I mean, he is he's not really getting drafted significantly right now. Depending on the site that you look at, the earliest that he's going is about 113. Um I think that that's going to end up being aggressive on, on in most drafts. I think you could probably get him with the last pick. It's kind of hard to determine how much he's going to play, but he has to go in a deep league. And I think it's okay to be a little aggressive in a deep league, but yeah, Powell wall with the last pick, I think is fine. Um, I'd be worried about anybody else. Um, I guess Covington, you can target too. But again, at this point, you know, he's going to play some small ball center. He'll get more minutes when Kawhi's out, but uh, standard league, he's kind of like a last pick guy to me. Norman Powell, thirty to one to win six man of the year. That's a good call by you. I would, I would look into making that investment. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, forty six wins a year ago. Uh, I know this is a team that that James absolutely loves. I, I cannot wait to get back on with him probably next week and, and just let him unleash uh, all of his Timberwolves <laughs> takes. I, I think this team, you know, when they made the trades that they made, especially getting Gobert, obviously. I compare them to the Bulls. I think they could be the Western Conference version of the Bulls. I think they could be a juggernaut during the regular season, maybe have some ups and downs. Uh, we'll see when it comes to the playoffs. But 
I don't know, man. I mean, this, I, this is a team that you could totally see getting off to a hot start and, and just building a lot of momentum. I, I think they are, they're constructed really well. I, I think that the one big thing is, you know, how much better is this team than the Utah teams that also did really well, scorched their way through the regular season. And then, could never really find a way to win in the playoffs. You know, like if you're Minnesota, like what are you doing differently or how is this team different uh, that you feel like you can make it work with Gobert? Yeah, the Towns at power forward experiment is going to be interesting. I actually really like it for him offensively. I mean, I think he is best as a three-point shooter, but like he has some post touches, obviously. Um, but it's it would be better for him to get them against smaller opponents because he's not elite at that, right? So you get him against smaller opponents where he can get a hook shot in. He's not like a supreme athlete or anything. Defensively, him on the perimeter, don't love it. Uh, they've tried it in the past. Hasn't been great. We'll see. Um, honestly, my main concern for them is their depth. Their bench is awful. Um, I mean, McLaughlin, is he's fine as a backup uh, point guard, I guess. But then at shooting guard, it's like Austin Rivers and Bryn Forbes. You got Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince as the backup forwards. Those guys are fine. I, it's just not great. They gave up so much depth to get Gobert, but I understand if they're, you know, if they have title aspirations that your top end talent's more important than your depth. So I think there's a chance that this team struggles a little bit in the regular season, just because if someone goes down with an injury, yeah. it could get sketchy quick, but I think their playoff upside if everyone's healthy is higher. Um, but I mean, Anthony Edwards looks like a star in the making played well in the playoffs last year. I mean, they have the pieces when everyone is right to look as good as mo like the, you know, they, they could be in the top echelon of the league when, when everyone's healthy and right. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think they're, you know, they have a decent amount of variance, um, you know, just a ton of top end talent. Like you said, I mean, not many teams can could throw out a better top four than towns, Gobert, Edwards, Russell. I mean, they, they're one of those teams that could have three all-stars this year. Definitely not crazy to think that, that that could happen depending on injuries and, and whatnot. And, you know, the Western conference, you know, quietly not quite as loaded as it's been in the past, you know, especially a team like the jazz, it, it felt like they've been a top five team in the West for the last four or five years. You know, they're going to plummet all the way to the bottom. Um, you could totally see Phoenix taking a step back. I think they'll still be good, but maybe not quite as dominant as the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, there, there's room, I think for, for Minnesota to, to, to really ascend this year. It's just for me, it's, you know, can you beat the warriors? Can you beat the Suns? Um, yeah. Can you even beat, you know, a healthy nuggets team, the Clippers in the playoffs, um, and then obviously, you know, having to, to get to the top of the mountain and actually make the finals or win the finals. Um, seems like they're probably, you know, a couple of years away from that, but um, they'll be a team to monitor for sure. I, I think they could, they could be maybe this year's Memphis, um, but with, with more established players, if that makes sense. Uh, either way, uh, a lot to like about Minnesota. Let's move to Denver. 48 wins last year. Felt like a monumental accomplishment with Jamal Murray not playing at all. Michael Porter only playing a handful of games. By all accounts, those guys will be back. It was a long recovery for Murray, you know, with Porter. It's just, it's going to be something, you know, for as long as he's in the NBA, we're always going to have our doubts. Uh, but they, they also shook up the depth chart a little bit. You got KCP in at shooting guard. Bruce Brown is now on this team. I think we're going to see a, a much larger role for Bones Highland in year two. Uh, and gone are, are, are two kind of stalwarts uh, of the, the previous uh, iteration of the Nuggets, both Will Barton and Monte Morris. Yeah, I, um, I kind of like what they did here. KCP's three and D. He's worked well with a superstar in LeBron in the past. Bruce Brown, really intriguing for this team, considering he can act as a weird like role man. I'm, I'm envisioning a lot of like Jokic as the ball handler, Bruce Brown as the screen and roller uh, actions, which I think will be really unique and fun. Um, I mean, I think I think the Michael Porter ADP this year extremely informed. People are like, all right. I've seen enough. Let's draft him 75th uh, this year, which I think is a, I think a very appropriate spot to get him because he has top 40 upside, but will he play 50 games with the back issue? I've said this on uh, pods before Jamal Murray. He's going drafted. He's getting drafted in like the 65 to like, uh, it depends on what site you look at him, but let's just call it the roughly 75 range. I think that's way too low. I know there's concerns about um, he's going to be rusty He'll probably sit back to backs. I, he, you know, he's recovered for a long time this year. Like they thought maybe he would come back last year and they ultimately decided to hold, uh, hold him out, which I think made sense. Um, 
but he ranked 31st per game value two years ago. Uh, you're getting him off, you know, you're getting him at pick 75, roughly. I, that's a steal. I mean, I, I would, I was, would be happy to take him at like pick 55. So I think, I think that's someone to really target in fantasy. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think there is some upside that late. Uh, we got five teams left, left to power through these. The Utah Jazz, uh, a completely different situation uh, from what, how we've talked about this team in years past. And I still think, I, even though we're under a month until the season, I, I don't think Bojan Bogdanovic, Mike Conley, and Jordan Clarkson you know, play more than half of their games this season for the Utah right. Jazz. I, I think they could be moved. Uh, we'll see what, what kind of timeline we're looking at there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is one of those teams that I think – other than Colin Sexton and Laurie Markkinen, you know, they're, they're basically going to become like the Thunder in a lot of ways. I agree. Yeah, Boyan, Conley, even if they're on the roster to start the year, I don't envision them playing more than like 28 minutes a game. I could see like the rest days coming. I'm all in on Sexton and Markkinen this year. I can't, I cannot say it enough. Sexton, I think, is an obvious guy to draft before pick 75. I would draft Laurie Markkinen inside the top 100 for certain. Both of those guys have proved in the past that they are easily capable of that production. And um, yeah, for now, the Bojan and Conley presence, that make it that makes it weird. But it, they Sexing and Marketing project as the number one and number two options on this team, which would be the best roles of their careers. So I think these guys are clear sleepers and have to be drafted in that like 50 to 75 range. Yep, 100%. Uh, the rest of those guys kind of wait and see. And, and then, you know, the center position as well. I think if you're drafting right now, I'm, I'm taking a lot of shots at, at Walker Kessler and just hoping that he wins that role. But, you know, conceivably, if you're dealing at least two of Conley, Clarkson, and Bogdanovich, I, I would imagine they'll try to bring back a little bit more depth at center. But, again, this is not a team that's really all that interested in getting better. So maybe they're fine rolling with a rookie just for this year. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks, 53 wins a year ago. They're to the point with Luka where he's so good that – you know, it doesn't really matter what the roster looks like. You're still going to be a contender. I mean, they're in the like LeBron early days in Cleveland zone. And honestly, that's kind of what this roster <laughs> reminds me of. I, I think yeah. you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is his Mo Williams. Uh, you know, Danielle Marshall is Baxi Kleba. Uh, you're bringing in JaVale McGee. I, I guess he's the the new Anderson Verjao. Um, You know, the big, the big splashy addition is Christian Wood. And we don't even think Christian Wood's going to begin the year as a starter. So I, I don't love what Dallas did. I'll, t I'll tell you that. I was not even the biggest fan of Jalen Brunson. I, I thought it was defensible to let him walk, but you're bringing back a, an objectively worse version of a team that was in the West finals last year. Yeah, I think there's a chance. I mean, Christian would rank 74th last year per game. In theory, if he gets fewer minutes, that's not great. His ADP is around the 60 range. I don't really understand it. I think people should, you should be waiting uh, to take Christian Wood later than that. I know there's a theory that, He's playing with Doncic. His efficiency is going to go up on these great pick-and-roll looks, these great spot-up looks from three. That's possible. Just to me, it's not worth the risk inside the top 75. Other than that, man, I don't even know who's draftable on this team. I mean, I know people like Dinwiddie. I think Dinwiddie's one of the most overrated fantasy players of the past, like, five years. Yeah. Has really, really struggles to rank inside the top 95. Just has a hard time. Like, his best season, he was playing 31 minutes a game basically running the Brooklyn Nets and ranked 90th. So what's the upside here? And he's injury prone. So yeah. I'm just not drafting him. Um, and Hardaway's a risk. And McGee, who knows? Because if McGee can get 24 minutes a game, he has to be on a roster in fantasy, but it's unclear. McGee's kind of my sneaky target on this team. Like they they seemingly promised him a starting role when they brought him in. And, you know, he, he never seems to play more than like 17 minutes a game, but the blocks are always there. Uh, you know, he's a really good rebounder. I mean, he's had years where he's, he's put up like, you know, seven, eight rebounds a game in like 20 minutes a game. Uh, we had that good year for the Lakers. The first year he was there blocked a bunch of shots. So I actually think there's some value in JaVale McGee because I, I think he could play six to seven to eight more minutes per game than he has the last few years. But yeah, I'm with you on Dinwiddie. I mean, again, it's shooting guards just don't usually translate well uh, to fantasy basketball, especially if you're playing alongside someone like Luca, the Warriors, 53 wins in the regular season. People forget they were the three seed, uh, obviously coming off of another title. Uh, you know, kind of status quo here. I mean, they didn't have Clay Thompson to begin last season, so that was a big question mark at the time. I thought Clay really started to look a lot like old Clay by the end of the playoffs. That was a great sign. Um, you know, obviously Jordan Poole is still there. They bring in Dante DiVincenzo, 
uh, a nice little mix, uh, you know, mix up like bringing in another just good rotation player who won't have high expectations. I like that a lot. Um, the most interesting thing for me with the Warriors is how much do they use James Wiseman and at what point are, are you, you know, thinking about maybe just grabbing a, you know, a lottery ticket on Wiseman late in the draft? Uh, yeah, I consider it. A lot of people are doing it. He's got an ADP around like 130, 125, depending where you look. I think, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I feel like I say this all. How is he not better than Kevon Looney? I, it just doesn't make sense. Like, I, I understand that Looney has the, you know, Looney has the confidence of Steve Kerr. Um, I think there's a really strong chance Wiseman ends up in the starting five at the end of the year or Kaminga. Maybe they shift Draymond up to the five and then bring Kaminga. And I'm pretty high in Kaminga this year too. Um, although obviously he's going to have a hard time usurping some other guys who are in the starting five and they got pool coming off the bench, but I, I like clay this year. He's going around picks. He's going 60 to 75 range. I think that's a perfect place to grab him. Um, he's ranked top 40 in the past. He launched, I think a career high rate of three point attempts last year per 36 minutes. So if his minutes come back, that'll be good. Uh, I've seen people have some question marks on pool because now a full season of Thompson, um, kind of what happens with pool, I guess is a, is a fair question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we saw him, you know, struggle to, to stay on the court at times in the playoffs, but I, I think regular season wise, he'll be fine. I mean, they found ways for, for all three of those guys to coexist, but yeah, I mean, pool's upside, I, I think maybe isn't quite what it was for most of the regular season. He's probably somebody that ends up getting uh, slightly overdrafted in a lot of leagues. Uh, we got two teams left, the Grizzlies and the Suns, the Memphis Grizzlies, 56 wins, a year ago, uh, kind of an interesting offseason for Memphis. We, we got kind of bad news on Jared Jackson, who's likely to miss several weeks, if not months, to begin the year. Uh, obviously, you, you right away, you think back to, I think it was a torn meniscus that was supposed to, it was basically this exact same situation uh, two seasons ago, where we thought he would miss a couple weeks, and he ended up playing 11 games. Uh, so already some alarm bells there. Um, you know, they, they parted ways with DeAnthony Melton. Uh, lost a little bit of depth there, but other than that, you're, you're basically bringing back the same team, which is fine. You know, you're the, the breakout team of last year. You're the two seed in the West, but I, I think, you know, a lot of people would have liked to see Memphis be just a, a little bit more aggressive this off season, trying to improve around Morant. This team is really shallow. Um, I've heard some people, I, some people think it's a deep team. I disagree. I, Tyus Jones. Sure. Maybe he's the best backup point guard in the NBA. That's good. Your other backups are John Conchar, Zaire Williams, Jake LaRavia, and Xavier Tillman. I, it's not good. Completely, completely unproven, but just not that good. Um, I think they could struggle in the regular season. This, this kind of like the Timberwolves could struggle in the regular season. They have playoff upside. Clark, Brandon Clark, and Jaron Jackson are going similarly ADP um, in a lot of drafts because of the injury situation. Even if Clark doesn't start, I think he'll play six man minutes. He has good upside. Bain looks like the legit number two option. Dylan Brooks is going around the 120 to 125 range as like a late draft flyer. That might end up being that might end up being a little late. Honestly, I mean, he has he launches shots, ranked 116th last year, only played 32 games, 28 minutes. If he can get, if they have the confidence or the need to play Dylan Brooks 32, 33 minutes a game. It, it would be shocking if he wasn't like a top 90 player. So I think, I think he's a great target late in drafts. Yeah. I think he's licking his lips too with Jaron Jackson out to yep. begin the year. You know, I yep. think he's going to, he's going to inherit uh, a lot of those shots because you know, you don't, you know, Kyle Anderson's gone from this team. You don't necessarily have like, you know, Desmond Bain's not somebody who's just going to be chucking a bunch. He's more catch and shoot. Um, so yeah, I think Dylan Brooks, you know, for at least the first half of the year, a lot to like there. That brings us to the Phoenix Suns. We're, we're cooking on these, these top yeah. five teams. This is, this is timing out pretty well, Alex. Um, you know, one of the all-time playoff exits, just a, a massive, massive letdown uh, in round two against the Dallas Mavericks. I, I think some of the signs of that foundation cracking were there in round one. They get, they get through the Pelicans. Um, but it, it was so bad that it almost, even though they bring back the exact same team and, you know, most of these guys, obviously Chris Paul, you, you do worry about him, but Aiton, Booker, Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson, those guys should only be getting better. And that playoff exit was just so bad and so stunning that it it kind of just, it calls into question like everything that we thought we knew about this team. It's essentially the same team, but it has a different vibe a little bit with Aiden. I, I, I'm really interested to see how things start out this season with Aiden. 
what the vibe is going to be between him and the coaching staff, between him and like Chris Paul, you know, who obviously has gotten into uh, is opinionated and uh, notably got into. Uh, I mean, the him and Blake Griffin, I did not get along towards the end of that Lob City run, so I don't know how him and Aiton uh, are going to be. I, I think if there's someone, you know, I think Cam Johnson is worth targeting late in drafts. You know, kind of skipping the guys like Chris Paul, Devin Booker, who we we kind of know about already. It sounds like they're interested in trading Jay Crowder, who has made some weird and cryptic Instagram posts or, and Twitter likes about like him being in other team uniforms, Photoshop, stuff like that. So I think they're looking to push him out the door. Cam Johnson is uh, already 26 years old. Oh, so yeah. you got to find out what you have in him, even though he's still on his rookie deal. Um he ranked 126 last year. He's going farther than that in ADP this year. So that doesn't really make sense. Um, I'd be, again, another guy, you're in that pick 120 range. Him, Dylan Brooks, I think both are guys to seriously target. Yeah, well said. Well said. I mean, yeah, the Cam Johnson thing is interesting. You think of him as being like, you know, by for how long he's been in the league, you, you would think he'd be like 22. But yeah, he was one of the oldest prospects, you know, ever. Uh, especially to be taken as high as he was, you know, does this team have like low key depth concerns? You know, like you're depending a lot yeah. on Dario Saric coming off of a torn ACL, you know, it's like Bismack Bayambo at, at center, like even the backup guards, like if Chris Paul misses 20 games, it's like, that's a lot of campaign. You know, they really have no depth behind Devin Booker. It's like Shaman hasn't looked great. Damian no. Lee is just like hanging on. Same with the Kogi. Uh, they even brought in Frank Jackson earlier this week to add some depth. Like they, like they were a team that it feels like, oh, Dennis Schroeder, like, oh, wow, that's that's a great depth pickup. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think they'll still be really good, but I, I'm, I'm just very curious to see if, if they, if at all, they take a step back, um, you know, just given how last season ended. I mean, it was really, it was really jarring. I agree. The depth isn't great. They're relying, a, a like you mentioned, an alarming amount on Dario Sarge to come back and be good. Torrey Craig struggling to make NBA rosters is, is, um, going to be on this team again. I think Landry Shamit's one of the most overrated role players of the past like three years. So um, yeah, they have some depth concerns for me and then Chris Paul's age, obviously. So another team where I'm higher on them for the playoffs than as like a win loss, regular season totals perspective. If we're talking gambling, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, with Chris Paul too, it's like, you're kind of waiting for the fall off. It, it felt like we saw it a little bit at the end of the playoffs. And as always, you know, like a week after it's like, Oh yeah, he was actually injured. Like, yeah. look, man, I, I just don't have like a ton of sympathy for that anymore. Yeah. You know, this is like the seventh time that you've tried to pull that act, even if it's real. Um, it's just really bad luck, but you don't really get the benefit of the doubt anymore. Um, and you know, with, with him, it's just, you're, you're just like, are, are you comfortable drafting Chris Paul, like around the range where he's going right now or around the same range as last year? Or are you building in the possibility of some regression? He's going like 35 to 45 right now, 20th and yeah. per game value. I'd lean later. If I can get him at 45, I'll take him for sure. I think I'd that's pretty good about 120. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, no, I think, I think his ADP is informed. I think it makes sense. Yeah. I would just rather, I'd rather wait, you know, I'd rather try to get yeah. to 40 or 45. So here's rank these three real quickly. And then we got to get out of here. Okay. In what order would you draft Chris Paul, DeJounte Murray, SGA? And for the record, they wow. all with it went within like five picks in our recent draft. Uh, I'm an SGA guy. I got to stick with SGA. Uh, SGA won. Man. Um, I think... I think Chris Paul two and then Murray three. I really do. That's a really good question, actually. Um, I think I think as, your next Twitter poll. It actually may have to be. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. How about you? I think I would go. I mean, I asked you for a reason. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me. Oh, no. I think I would go. I, I I don't love it, but I think I would go Paul first, and then Murray, and then SGA. And you know that's the order that they went in in our draft. Again, it was all within like five picks, so it's not you're kind of splitting hairs here. But yeah, I, I mean, I kind of was. I've been burned by not taking Paul the last couple of years. And of course the fear is that like the year you buy in is the year that he finally falls off, but he's burned me thir- three years in a row. I've, I've kept saying like, he's going to fall off. He's going to fall off. And he just hasn't. Um, and he's played a ton of games. He, he played more minutes last year than he has 
since 2014. Um, so there's, you know, there's still a decent amount to like here, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it, throwing Murray in there is tough too, because it's a completely different situation. We have no idea what that's going to look like, but yeah, to clarify Paul Murray SGA in that order. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, I think any order you could justify. Yeah. Oh, totally. All right, man. We got to get out of here. Uh, we will follow up with the Eastern conference on our next pod. I know you'll be back with Ken and Shannon on Friday. We'll have win total over unders with James starting to roll out next week. We'll we'll definitely get both of those done. We'll do one conference per pod. Uh, We'll get both of those done uh, within the next couple of weeks here. And we're up and running, man. I mean, we got a a ton of content, uh, you know, as we've been saying uh, on the site, we just put out our our latest edition of the 150. We published the draft results from last week. Uh, Those are up on the site. We got team previews going up. We got all kinds of stuff. Uh, Make sure you check out all of that content. We'll be, uh, we'll be doing more pods. We'll be doing more YouTube videos over the next month. So please, uh, you know, lend us a hand and, and make sure you're checking out and all that and, and sharing it online if possible. But uh, great chat with you, as always, Alex, and we'll do it again soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.